The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? It's the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast on the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. I'm Anthony Kazenza, joined by my partner in crime as usual, John Sheeran. John, I know you are in an especially good mood today because we've got a couple of special guests. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing better than the Reds, who are currently getting no hit right now on opening day. So this is the place to be at right now. Yeah, and that uh, ownership group has not been befriending its fan base of late from what I understand from some commentary and other things. I am a little detached from that geographically speaking, but we're not here to talk about the Reds. We're here to talk about the Bengals and we are doing so with two very special guests. We are missing half of their crew, but we are still pleased to be joined both by Whitney and Kayla of Tigris Talk, the great Bengals podcast that they head up on YouTube. Ladies, how are we doing? Doing good. Yeah, great. Awesome. <laughs> I don't follow I don't follow the Reds that close, so I'm doing spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> I, there was something I saw on Twitter earlier today that was like, oh man, there's a, I guess a response to some other quotes that ownership had made, and I don't know. It's it's good. It's good that we are not having the the same ownership gripes on the Bengals side of things that that we had for years. And it's years a great and day years. to be Mike Brown. I'll tell you, it that. is. I, I, he's got to be just loving life, right? I mean, yeah. good lord. After after all of that, well, I'm going to let you ladies introduce yourself uh, before we kind of kick things off. Um, just to let folks know, this is our usual listener questions live show. I know we usually do this on Friday afternoons, but. Special guests call for a special day and time. So get those questions to us. You can call or text 949-542-6241. You can email the obinsider at gmail.com. Tweet at us at Cincy Jungle. You can tweet John. You can tweet myself. You can tweet at Bengals OBI. Maybe one of the ladies as well. They can give you their Twitter accounts in just a second. And of course, we have a lot of live chats going on YouTube, on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, and on a post on cincyjungle.com. So no excuses. Play like a champion. Get your questions in. Whitney, I am going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became a Bengals fan, and how people can kind of follow you on Twitter and whatnot. Yeah, I've been a Bengals fan since I remember, since the toddler years, (laughs) which was my pinnacle, really. It's all been downhill since then. But... (laughs) um, 
Bengals fan through and through, born and raised, born and raised on the east side of Cincinnati, uh, Claremont County, uh, folks, hi, uh, moved to Northern Kentucky in my adult life, lived there forever until I moved to Florida uh, a couple years ago. So now I'm holding it down, Cincinnati South. I like it. And your Twitter account, I know you ladies have like this army of following between you, your crew here. Where can people follow you on Twitter? I'm at Bengals Whitney. There you go. Simple yeah. enough. I like mm-hmm. it. Kayla, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we're going to hear about your channel as well and what you ladies are doing on Tigers Talk. But uh, how'd, you, how'd you become a Bengals fan? I, I You were telling us before we started that you, you're kind of in the area, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we field some questions from Bengals fans. Yeah, I was born into this life. My dad is a huge fan. And so I've been watching with him since I was in diapers. And we have (laughs) season tickets together. And I uh, live in Northern Kentucky. So Northern Kentucky. And where where can folks find you on Twitter? Yeah, Case Welbs. So Case Welbs, there you go, right there on the name tag. I like it. (laughs) I'm going to share this real quick as we start gathering up some questions and whatnot. Uh, This is the Tigers Talk YouTube page. And you will see here, there is proof. Subscribed right there. Subscribed. We are subscribed. Tell us about the channel and what you ladies are doing. I don't know which one of you wants to take the lead on that, but uh, tell us a little bit about that and uh, your your show, what you you ladies do, talk about, and everything. Go for it, Swelves. So we normally do um, every week of a podcast, but now um, that we're in the off season, we're kind of a little bit of a slower pace, just doing shows here and there, but we have some exciting stuff coming up this summer. Um, but we do have a giveaway happening once we get to a thousand followers, a thousand subscribers. Is that right, Whitney? Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's incentive to subscribe if you're over there right now. And it's, there a, you game, go, it's a game worn Jersey guys. It's like not, yeah. it's not a, it's a good one. It's a, it's like a great it. giveaway. So yes, yes. I like it. Well, we shared the link in the live chats there. So hopefully we can get you some subscribers and thanks for coming on the show and sharing your insight, giving us your time. I know Whitney, you had said you rushed through dinner and Kayla, you rushed after work and, and all kinds of different things. So we appreciate you making time. John, I always know you, you love to make time for me in the show. So thank you as well. Uh, John, do you want to bat lead off here? What, what Where are we going? I think we got a super chat from our good friend, Mr. Whispers. So we're going to we're gonna go to that one first. The question okay. is, do you all believe the fact that the Bengals signed Trey Flowers, quote, um, parentheses, I loved it though, instead of s- another starting qualif- quality cornerback, excuse me, signifies a greater likelihood of drafting a cornerback first than any other position. So yeah, I mean, cornerback seems to be one of the favorites to be picked with the first round pick and they haven't really done anything at that position aside from retaining both Eli Apple and Trey Flowers. But Whitney, let's start with you. Like, what do you think that their overall plan at quarterback kind of means from free agency going into the draft? Is this kind of signifying anything or is this more of just Trey Flowers is pretty good and you know, there's no reason not to bring him back. Well, I, I think I'd go with the latter. I, how did they not sign Trey Flowers? Like how do they not resign him? And and then the deal's so cheap. Like we, we, we stole, (laughs) you know, so, and the way he came on last year and the fact that it's not our strongest position, uh, his tight end coverage, I think it's just does not make any sense on any planet that we don't resign him. Um, It could mean, I mean, they're meeting with what quarterback is it? They they're meeting with the CB I know uh, from the draft and it's the most popular choice in the front running to possibly go first for us. 
but I don't know that it makes a significant statement that that's definitely what we're going to do. I don't, I wouldn't go that far. I, th I think Booth is the name um, that, that yeah. you with. Yeah. So Andrew yeah. Booth, cornerback from Clemson, he could be definitely an option in the first round, but like Kayla, like aside from Booth, like are there any other names that, that you've really um, been attuned with in the draft process? And like, wh where do you see like flowers going forward in this defense? Do you see his like role kind of evolving or is it more just, Hey, he's pretty good at this. Might as well keep doing it. You know? Yeah. Um, I definitely don't think that, it's going to prevent us from drafting another depth cornerback um, either. But uh, as far as I honestly don't know a ton about the draft prospects other than like the big five that everyone's been talking about. Um, but uh, Linderbaum at um, center would be a good option. I think that's kind of, or I'd be fine trading back and just adding to depth as well. So that's kind of where I'm, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I feel you because, like, I mean, we've just really started talking about the draft. Honestly, it's been a lot to decompress from the Super Bowl and just the season in general, and then free agency and everything. Like, we we're so late on the draft. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> me and Anthony were talking about this like a couple weeks ago. We yeah. usually start in like November and December, and we get to know these names, but we're just all really trying to catch up right now. So, yeah, I only know a handful of names to be honest with you, like back in front of like their full profiles right now. Yeah. 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 It's a good problem to have. I mean, there's been plenty of seasons where we've been obsessed about the draft before the regular season's even done. And that sucks. <laughs> like, nobody wants, wants that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know a ton about the draft prospects either. Where the girls and I talk all the time. We don't, I don't think any of us are big college followers anyway. Um, but yeah, as far as Trey Flowers is concerned, I'm a um, big fan of that signing. And I just, it makes complete sense for us. Well, the good news is we are not scouts, so we don't have to follow the draft <laughs> throughout the entire season. So. That's right. That's right. Uh, to, for me, Flowers just makes a lot of sense for what the what the team wants to do on defense. And I, I, don't, I don't think – I think a flower signing and the Bengals either splashing in free agency or getting a, dra a high draft pick at corner, that's two totally different things because Flowers is going to be – kind of an inside corner, use short areas of the field to to cover, cover the tight ends, maybe a slot receiver here and there. And he's effective at it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think I think that's that was a good move by the Bengals, as as you all mentioned, very affordable move and one that's just he's a niche player, but it's an important niche, right? So mm -hmm. I like that move. And I think, you know, this team has shown a penchant that they like first round corners in their history as a franchise. They like to pick corners in the first round you can go William Jackson Drake or Patrick Leon Hall Jonathan Joseph I mean recent history shows they like their first round corners I dark as Denard another one in there so you know I mean I, I it would not surprise me at all there are a lot of good corners in this draft too there are some guys like Booth John I think you had mentioned with him he's a guy he's got a lot of talent but there's some there's some medical concerns I think it's a core injury right that uh is is kind of an issue with him so with Booth it's so I mentioned like Tevin Jenkins as like a comparison to his overall medical issues because uh, Jenkins, for example, he had an injury that he dealt with in the final year of his college career and he dealt with it through the draft profile or the draft process. But it wasn't that injury that basically dropped him down throughout the draft. He ended up going to like the mid second round. It was some other injuries from his past that really kind of scared off teams with his medical. And the same thing kind of goes with Booth where it's he had like some tendonitis issues in high school. And then he had surgery on his patella tendon in his right knee, like in January of 2020. 
So he's kind of been through it over the past, I don't know, four years since he's been out of high school. And obviously he's been able to play through everything and he hasn't missed a ton of time because of that. But it only really it, it only really takes like one injury to really scare off a bunch of teams. And even though that you've been able to play through it and you've been able to recover it, he's still 21 years old with some issues that he's been dealing with. And it could be enough to really bump him down boards and maybe even fall out of the first round entirely. Yeah. Well, we've got a listener questions ritual unlike any other. We've got Mr. Terrell on hey. the phone. Terrell, what's going on, buddy? Well, you want to say how y'all ladies doing and how, how you guys doing? We're, we're, we're doing well. We're doing well. I hope the ladies are doing well, enjoying uh, their time on the show. Nice, beautiful day. Nice, beautiful day in Cincinnati. I just got to say, this is this has got to this. I know you ain't from Cincinnati, though, but uh, the Bengals, this is a football town, man. I got to take it right on. Uh, you know what I mean? I know, I know uh, Burrow and Zach did the first pitch and everything, man. Everything great. You see Chad and Pac-Man, uh, are you know, uh, athlete just just yeah. bringing good vibes to the city? Um, Chase holding us down. Just everything is going good right now. I, I just I just feel like we got at least three or four uh, best player in the draft. Um, everybody want uh, the center. I know everybody want um, uh, Sauce Garner, but. I think I think everything gonna fall in line, man. I just believe, like I said, we steal the chance. They'll never say. I know it's stacked up in the AFC, but we we better than them. So we be ready. Wow. I just want to say, food day, and y'all have a good one. Have a good show. All right, thanks, Trell. Thanks for checking in, as always, my friend. Um, interesting statement to make, especially for all the three of you who have or currently reside in the general greater Cincinnati area. Interesting comment to make that this is a football town on Reds opening day. And as, as, he has, yeah, as, as you mentioned, Whitney, uh, that the, the tandem of Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor, they were throwing out the first pitch today Yeah, for the Reds. Did you guys hear the who day chants that were happening in great American? I did not. Yeah. Yes. Pretty cool. Oh, that almost gives me chills. But for real, I think the Reds owe um, like Burrow, <laughs> Chase, Taylor, Higgins, all the guys that were there, a big ass gift basket. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <gift> basket. <laughs> because I know a lot of Reds fans were salty and Cincinnati's always going to love their Reds to an extent. They're always it's always going to be a baseball town in its blood. But I think there's a lot of fans that were probably pretty unhappy um throughout this offseason and then starting today and then i think burrow and company probably helped lighten the mood just a little bit just a little yeah be excited about yeah well since the since the start of us recording they've scored four runs and they've tied the game so yeah how about that good luck charms right there yeah i like it uh i want to get your uh, there's a lot of questions i'm starting to see pop up in the live chats and some other other places and whatnot but i want to get your ladies thoughts on this because we haven't at least on this show haven't heard your thoughts on just and i guess the whole deal with red's ownership and some criticisms with that just the evolution of the Bengals and what they have done from a front office standpoint what they have done from an organizational standpoint in, in their growth in terms of fan engagement in terms of engagement of their former players. We're talking about the ring of honor. We're talking about all the stuff that they did to celebrate the Bengals Super Bowl appearance. We're talking about now the indoor facility, I guess just with the 
irritations that the Reds are uh, bringing to their fan base, it, it it now brings to light just how far the Bengals have come as an organization. Mm-hmm. I wish I, I do wish we had Jess here because I know she and Cap have a real tight relationship with the with the organization and whatnot. But I would love to hear both of your ladies' thoughts on on just the growth of the Bengals as a franchise and as an organization from those standpoints. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like the fan base feels a lot more heard um, just because of some of the changes. I mean, how long have we been asking for a ring of honor? How long have we been asking for? I mean, it's it feels nice. I think it all started to feel like we were being more um, we were more a part of things when the social media started to get a lot better. And every it was just a lot more engagement with us. And I think that's made it even more special from my perspective I think for me I wondered there for a while when Zach Taylor came in for his interview right I remember some of the rumors floating around and some of the quotes coming from the people that were in that interview process about this vision that he sold and um you know how they bought into him you know and I wondered what he said during those meetings because I thought here's this guy with no experience really I mean not that he doesn't have coaching experience but he wasn't even a offensive coordinator before this um you know and he gets he gets the nod and I I thought about it yesterday or the day before I think what we see unfolding is exactly whatever he sold during that interview I think we're watching it happen um so now, now that I'm seeing it play out, even though I wasn't a fly on the wall during that interview, I feel like I know exactly what he said because I think he's living it. I think I, I think they've had his back since they decided to give him the job. I think they've had his back and uh, let him do what he said he was going to do. So I think it's massively exciting. She's completely right. Kayla's completely right. It does feel a lot more inclusive from a fan base perspective, but also just the entire rewrite of the narrative. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about inclusivity with a fan base exact, almost exactly a year ago is when I met Whitney for the first time for something that just doesn't happen in the NFL. When members of the organization invite six, seven fans to see the jerseys, the new jerseys, the team's new uniforms for the first time before anyone else. And just get that, really just special treatment and just recognition of being fans and, you know, being supportive of the team in general and having, being able to meet Elizabeth Blackburn, like obviously Zach is a crucial component, but I think the combination of his arrival and Elizabeth's uh, rise and influence within the organization, it's almost like a one, two combo that really just kickstarted just the organization in general. So I, I, you know, we'd like to talk about it a lot. Like the fans have an influence and an impact and just listening to the fans, but it probably has more of an impact than maybe some people, some pessimists might, might, might believe. So yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely think that's a part of it. Well, I'll still hate you both for you both <laughs> being able to go and me not be able to, but that's another story for another time. I'm going to go to this one real quick and then I will let you ladies choose some questions that we've got. I don't, I don't know if you could see all the live chats, but if you see a couple uh, in there, please feel free. But I saw this one from Crypt Keeper here. Hey, guys, as T. Higgins heard, it looks like he had a sling on his arm at the Reds game. The only thing I can think of, and all of you are welcome to chime in here, there's been talk of a, a labrum injury that he suffered early in the year, and that's kind of what he fought through. And if you remember, he had he had a really great middle and kind of end of the season and obviously postseason. But 
there were a couple of games early after that injury where he kind of was 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 sluggish a little bit in terms of performance. Sat out a couple of games too, and maybe there's maybe a, an offseason cleanup procedure or something that was done here. John, I don't know if you know anything more about that. Or ladies, feel free to chime in. Yeah, he got hurt against the Bears, and it was it was right. a shoulder injury that he missed two games with, and you know he he returned and. I don't think missed another game after like two games, but he still was hurt and he was playing through it. And it was always the plan, I think, to have surgery after the season. And he was at a football camp, I think two weeks ago, and he had the sling on his arm. And I tweeted out like a picture like, oh, he must have had surgery for that injury. And I don't know why um, it's now news again, because he showed up in the sling at the Reds game. But yeah, he had surgery after the Super Bowl. He's going to be fine for offseason workouts and everything. It was just something that he played through during the season and it will infect him going forward. Awesome. Yeah. They, they, this is the time of year. They all take care of that stuff. Pretty much. Lingering injury. So. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, there are a few in here, ladies, in the live chat. Do you see any or have you received any tweets that you want to get to um, that you're seeing that are piquing your interest here? I mean, beside John having a Frank Sinatra voice, uh, let me look. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a fellow Italian, you know, <laughs> a baritone. <laughs> No, not really. I mean, I would address really quickly this whole concept that um, Zach Taylor stumbled across Burrow and it saved his career. You know, I, I get the sentiment, but at the same time, I just, I think that's, I don't think that's giving Zach enough credit <laughs> to be mm. quite honest. He's done a pretty spectacular job. So it definitely far. helps. I mean, it doesn't yeah, hurt. it does. But I mean, there's also been examples of you know, coaches that have these incredible quarterbacks that never go to the Super Bowl. So that that you live up to the potential uh, Baker Mayfield. There you go. (laughs) Not holding back. Um, Let's, let's, I I got a couple that'll tie in here. One was from an email and one is from Dan, the man here. Uh, Considering there are no quote divisions in 82, the Bengals have never won back-to-back division titles along with Lions and Falcons, how optimistic are you guys that we finally achieve that this year? Uh, to piggyback off of that, there was an email from, uh, oh gosh, who was it? Um, I'll find it. I'll find it here. I promise. I promise. Uh, regardless, it was someone talking about, you know, how, how, how do you feel the Bengals are building things and how confident are you in where they're headed now on its surface based on the fact they just made a super bowl and we're all fans we all follow the team and we all want them to do well it's easy for us to sit here and say 
yeah, they're building something special and, and they're headed in the right direction and maybe a dynasty is in the works here. But I think we also have to be a little bit honest with ourselves and know that the Bengals haven't been the pinnacle of NFL consistency in a lot of different ways. So I guess now as we laud Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow and all of these, how confident are all of you that this will be a sustainable thing and this will be something that they'll be able to keep the momentum going over the next couple of years, if not longer. Well, I mean, I got to think that they'll be favored, but I don't think that our division is ever easy <laughs> um, ever. And I think that, I mean, the Ravens were significantly injured last year. Um, I think the Steelers are going to be better than we think they were. I mean, they were pretty decent last year. They went to the playoffs. So, um, I mean, it's it's never going to be easy in the AFC North, I don't think. But I think we should be favored. I think that that's what Vegas will say. I think that we should be, you know, at the top of the list. But it's never easy. <laughs> so, right. I I mean, I give it like 70% optimistic, you know. But maybe You're talking about back-to-back -back division, 70%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to be any other team. Sorry, John. As far as if you look at the AFC North, yeah, who else? <laughs> I feel like yeah, that's... we're in the best spot. And sure, we should be favored. I just don't take anything for this coming season for granted at all. I think we've done everything so far correctly to address our glaring holes and where we needed to improve the most. And hopefully we keep making those really good decisions. Um, but I also am very... I very much understand that people will play you different after you just came back from a Super Bowl run. You know, they're, they're not going to look at you quite the same way. We're not the only team that's improved in the off season. There's been some pretty surprising and good moves, especially in the AFC as a whole. Right. But if there's a year that we're going to break that curse, look at all the curses we broke last season. Why not just keep the role continuing? I think this is the year that we very much could, um, go back to back for the AFC North. So I think Kayla was alluding to like, you can't really finesse wink, wink your way through the AFC North. Um, it's uh, just yeah. com completely, it's competitive every single year. <laughs> There's a lot of parody that goes with it. Even when the Bengals didn't win a division title from what, 2015 to 2021. I think if you include every year since like Marvin Lewis got there, they've won their fair share of AFC North titles. It's not just been the Ravens or the Steelers dominating the Browns have, I don't think I've ever won. An AFC North division title. Um, so that kind of, you know, goes into all the hype that they get every single year, but they don't really ever really live up to it. But now you have potentially a season where Deshaun Watson might not be suspended because of whatever his civil suits aren't going to get, get going to trial this year. Uh, Kayla said it best, like the Ravens are going to get healthier and they're going to bounce back. The Steelers in somehow way, shape or form have never had a losing season under Mike Tomlin. So until that happens, like, I guess we have to assume they're going to go like eight and nine and just be competitive and be the, I guess this little menace and a, and a pesk in the division. So it's going to be tough and it's hard to win a lot of games in this division. But I think, you know, Jamar Chase said it on the I am athlete podcast. Like, you know, I'm not really fearing not going back to the Super Bowl so long as you have that quarterback and the pieces around him, like you are set up better than most teams to have to repeat that success. And I, I think that sustainability factor is underrated when you talk about teams sustaining and getting back and, re and repeating success. So it's definitely tough, but if there's a team built to do so in terms of how their roster is constructed and their youth, it's hard to look better than the Bengals right now. 
I would, yeah, I would just say that if there was a team to that I can envision that would be able to do this, to go back to back and win the division title, to be able to sustain the success that the 1980s crew couldn't regularly maintain, definitely not in the 1990s, and the the some of the better teams in Marvin Lewis. This this seems to be the team that would be able to do it. And when you look at the offseason acquisitions versus attrition, you really are looking at Larry Ogunjobi and CJ Uzama as your man. And those are losses. Let's not let's not sugarcoat it. But you also massively, at a minimum, marginally, more than likely, significantly upgraded your offensive line with three pieces there. And that was the biggest issue, as we all know. Um, you've got a lot of because of what you've done in the draft and free agency over the past two to three off seasons, you've got a lot of your core players already in place and under contract and hitting the primes of their respective careers. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like where this team's headed. It's it's really going to be health and not not being content with what happened last year and and making sure that everybody's kind of still on board with, you know, the, the goal, the championship goal. And I think, I think they're headed in a good direction. We're going to be here a little while longer taking some of your questions on the orange and black insider. Happy to be joined by a couple of the hosts of Tigris talk, a great Bengals podcast. We hope that you go check it out. We put the link and we will do so again later to their YouTube channel for you all to subscribe. So please do that. We are missing both Jess and Jerry, two other great hosts, but still glad to be joined by Kayla and Whitney of that show and you can get your questions into us as we stay here a little while longer 949-542-6241 the obinsider at gmail.com and a couple of live chats both the cincy jungle facebook page our youtube channel a live post on cincyjungle.com we've got a lot of different things moving and shaking here so please get your questions in we'll be here a little while longer john i, I saw one that i just kind of want to it's a it's a general one here uh i think it's from crow snap and then I want to I want to let someone else go here. But who's everybody's favorite all time Bengal? This is just a nice general question for everybody. Whitney, do you want to kick that one off? No. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I think it's hard for um, it. I, I grew up with with Ocho Cinco. I mean, like Chad Johnson is hard to. You know, it's hard for you to say like your favorite, like your all time. But for me, it it's. He's iconic, so yeah. that would be my answer. But Joe Burrow is uh, – it's early, but uh, he's, it's possible. He's ascending. He's ascending. He's ascending. <laughs> no, I'm, je- I'm jealous of the kids, man, because the kids get Chase and Burrow and Higgins and Mixon, and I feel like that's when you establish who your favorite athletes are, and like that's those are like your core memories kind of, which is why Chad would be – my answer because I was like 10 years old when he was lighting up the AFC and stuff like that. So it's hard to deviate off that, even though like Gino and Whitworth are two of my all time favorites, but you know, I was a little bit older and like Chad was just more established in my heart. And if Carson maybe finished his career differently, he probably would have been my number one because I loved watching him play too. So I really am jealous of like the, the guy, the little kids out there yeah, who have their Burrow jerseys and their chase jerseys because they're going to make, ton of great memories man it, like the next generation of Bengals fans are gonna have it a little bit better than i think our generations did yeah the kids or, have it good yeah, yeah or you could be jealous of us old people and uh the youngins will never appreciate the munozes of the world near as much as we do and then um give me some boomer size and all day long i still adore that man's attitude when he hit the field but 
Um, yeah, I have a hard time coming off Chad Johnson too, honestly. That's who I would most love to spend time with, but I got to throw out Munoz. He's the quintessential Wingle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Love love that guy. He's got a great first name too. So I, I love that guy. Uh, <laughs> look, I mean, I, I, I love all the names. I I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for a little bit more of the obscure players or players that uh, maybe didn't get as much recognition. And I, I kind of look at some of the guys on the nineties the teams. I mean, there was, oh. and unfortunately some of them ended up not in the greatest graces with the organization and the fan base. But I mean, if you go back and you watch Carl Pickens play football, Oh my gosh. If you go back and you watch prime Corey Dillon play football on teams with Scott Mitchell as the quarterback, Scott (laughs) Mitchell was the quarterback and you watch Corey Dillon, Scott, exactly. (laughs) The the other, the the forgettable lefty quarterback that the Bengals fielded. Um, I mean, those are, those are some of the players there. I mean, those aren't obscure guys, but those are guys that just kind of get lost a little bit because of the teams that were on Willie, of course. And, Many, many others. Uh, I, I got a soft spot for Tyler Boyd on this team. I really, really like Tyler Boyd. So mm. I don't know, some of those players, and I, I, I'm with you, Whitney. There is something about going back and watching Boomer sell a play-action pass, uh, the way he was able to sell that and trick the cameraman with regularity. That was uh, that was something to watch there. So fun the question hair. there. The hair. Yeah. Oh, the hair. Yes. Boy, not quite a mullet. Not quite a mullet, but like kind of. Yeah. It was so flirting with being a mole. It was, <laughs> it was so, <laughs> so close. So close. Uh, where are we going next, John? So we had a question. I want to combine both of these. So we had a question about um, the Bengals potentially playing overseas in either London or Munich. And then we had one from Kirsten. I began, how many primetime games this year do you think the Bengals will have? So I just wanted to get uh, Kayla and Whitney's opinion on potentially playing overseas because I think the most likely one, or there's two likely ones. There's either playing the Saints in London or playing the Buccaneers in Munich. So I, first off, have you guys have, did you guys go to the Washington or the Los Angeles game? I think in 2016, 2019 in London, or were you considering it? And would you want to do so this year, even if that's taking the the Bengals playing the Saints out of the Superdome, which a little controversial. Yeah, I mean, I'd be really happy for our fans across the pond because they're awesome. All of the, I mean, I can't. They're so great, but um, I would really, I would really selfishly be upset for either of them because I am planning on going to the Tampa game and um, seeing my friends in Florida, and I would hate for the Saints game to. I just, it needs to be there. I don't know, but yeah. I know that they probably don't want it there because it's going to be a lot of Bengals fans and a lot of Burrow fans and, but all the more selfishly. And that is the conspiracy going around. Yeah. 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 My heart would be break for either of those games to go overseas. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the sad thing mm-hmm. is, is I'm a big champion actually for us playing in the UK um, because I love our UK fan base, but I was really extra soaked at the thought of the Bengals playing a game in Germany. Because we have the whole Cincinnati thing going on and a lot of German heritage in Cincinnati. And I don't know. I just felt like it was kind of poetic if we get one of the first games over there. But not if it's Tampa Bay or New Orleans. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Why those two? <laughs> any other game. Put any other game out there. That'd be uh, cool, though, if it was on Oktoberfest, too, in Munich. That would oh, be really cool. Yeah. yeah. That would that would be cool. What about What about... And I know they wouldn't do this because of the usual importance of it, but what about like a divisional game? Because of Ooh. especially in the AFC North, it. if you if you have a Bengals Steelers game out in in Europe, so they get to experience what 
that AFC North rivalry, or maybe even a Steelers Ravens. I mean, I know it's not the Bengals involved necessarily, but I don't know. I it would, it, I think if, if they're looking to, you know, bring the game abroad and really kind of introduce a lot of fans in Europe to American football, I kind of feel like in a way, some of these division rivalries, I know it takes away from like the home field advantage and, the intensity back here, but no. I don't know. Exposing them to that, I think, would be kind of a cool thing. I am already envisioning. So we're going to get this started, guys. This is what's going to happen from this podcast today. <laughs> we're going to start the movement. I love it. I think we should have like a Sins, <laughs> like Cincinnati Sins versus Yen's game, like take the Steelers, <laughs> throw them overseas. Let's kick their butt on another continent. I am all for it. <laughs> But this, it. but this is the Bengals. Like they're this is their way game against the Steelers, right? You're not taking the Bengals, hosting the Steelers, right? No, but honestly, I would go either way. It's fine. <laughs> it's as long as we get to uh, kick their booties in another time zone on another continent. Take that butt whooping international. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we yeah, play great we'll on the road, so <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yins versus Zins. Yeah, uh, I like yeah. it. That's that's. There's the the title of the, of the, movement. Yeah, it's like the movement. <laughs> that's right. I see this one from Philip McKenzie on the Cincy jungle Facebook page. Uh, I have a question. Why does the national media seem to not be giving us any respect? They all think that we were lucky to get where we went last year. Um, I, unfortunately, as we sit here and we've talked dynasty and all kinds of different things, I, I still feel like there's this because it's the Bengals stigma. No matter what we've talked about with the Ring of Honor and all the organizational strides they've made in the past couple of years, Joe Burrow effect, Zach Taylor, the next big Sean McVay type of head coach in the NFL, I still feel that in some outlets and some folks who have covered the NFL for a very long time, there's still this because it's the Bengals stigma. I don't know if I'm just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm reading too much into things and maybe Philip is listening to the wrong folks talking about the Bengals, but there's still a little bit of a sentiment out there that the Bengals will not be able to come close to repeating what they did last year. And maybe it's also because of what Whitney mentioned that a lot of teams in the AFC have made a lot of moves this off season. I mean, I just don't get that vibe very much and maybe I'm just watching different programs, but I, I have it on NFL network most, most all day confession. It's disgusting. Um, <laughs> and for the most part, I hear them talking pretty well about us. I mean, there's always going to be the contrary and making the, the case that we won't because it doesn't happen often. You don't go back very often for lots of reasons. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I hear those debates, but I don't hear too much trashing on the Bengals, I would say, as a collective when I'm watching NFL Network. Yeah, I think that. I've noticed that the narrative has kind of changed since our playoff run. Um, once we got that first playoff game off our back, I haven't noticed as much of the trashing us. I mean, sometimes they just won't talk about us when you think you should be in the conversation, but I'm yeah. sure a lot of teams feel that way too. So I think it's getting better. I do too. Yeah. I think. There is a little bit of an asterisk of, of a fluke narrative. I will say that. I have there you go. a little whiff of like, was that a fluke? Was it, did all the stars align? Did whatever, um, you know, if that Cinderella story is something that it was indicative of, there's actually a change happening in the organization. There's a little bit of a thing starting to happen. It's a new era for the Bengals. Or was it a one-off year? 
there is that. But that's a fair debate. Like, that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's worth talking about. Also, if, I think if you go on NFL Network and you are not complimentary about the Bengals, I think Kay Adams will th- then like engage. In the <laughs> and no one wants to disagree with Kay Adams because she's mm-hmm. phenomenal. But right. I, I think Royal, Royal Flush Terry kind of said it best a little bit. Dear Bengals fans, please stop looking for quote unquote respect from national media. The national media is not a respectable entity. So let's not get bent out of shape over their opinions. Like when I think of the national oh. media, I, I think of first take and it's Stephen A. Smith are yelling over top of mad yeah. dog Chris Russo. Like that is more or less the national media. It's not really there for nuanced takes or discussions. And I feel like if you are just listening for 30 years and you hear the same thing, when you hear something new, it's, it's hard to like kind of wrap your head around that. And but that's what happened last year with the Bengals. Like they were they weren't getting respect. They did get some recognition for what they were doing and then getting into the freaking Super Bowl after what they did for the p- previous two years. Like there was respect going around and now it's about can they sustain it? And that's going to be the discussion for months to come until we get an answer about it. Yeah, this is what it is. Yeah. Uh, we'll be here a couple more minutes answering your questions, hanging out with Whitney and Kayla of Tigris Talk, two of the four great hosts of that YouTube program. And I think this is second the second generous chat question from Mr. Whisper of the show here. Is it fair to say that Zach Taylor's critics, um, that Zach has not unleashed his playbook yet because of the bad O-line? They couldn't even get a five-step drop. Someone else had mentioned, you know, Joe Burrow having 2.5 seconds on dropbacks and whatnot. Uh, I don't know. Kale, I'll start with you on this one. I mean, do you think do you think now we're going to see an even more explosive offense, a different offense because of the offensive line? I mean, it seems like a fairly obvious statement. I would think so, but I guess in terms of expanding the playbook because of the offensive line, I guess that facet of the question warrants answering. I mean, I think we can see what Zach wants to do and what he wants the offense to look like. I think that because of the O-line, I think that we've he's maybe had to, change what he wanted to do at times. Um, but so I think we'll see some different things for sure. But I think we know kind of the vision of what he is wanting to do. I think we've had plenty of time to see that. Yeah. Last couple of years. Yeah, I think his style, he's made his style known for sure. His style or his yeah. ideology, whatever you want to call it, his philosophy. But I do think we were limited on what types of plays we could run or how successful we, we could run them. And how often we would go to certain plays because of our limited capabilities there. So I think there will be a difference. Personally, I kind of hope that there's a few tricks up our slate, not tricks like trick plays, but you know what I mean? I hope there is a little bit more that we bring to the playbook this year, just because I do think what we were talking about earlier, you got to step up your game significantly when you made a run like we did last year, because teams are going to come ready and bring their best. And so I think that we almost have to evolve a little bit in our offensive strategy. Yeah. I think this is like the phrasing of this question is interesting to me because I feel like the playbook more or less is the same. It's just the situational play calling might look different. And I think a lot of people were frustrated last year about the over tendency to run in certain situations when it was clear that he was just hiding the offensive line when it couldn't pass protect in very important situations. Like I think about that bears game when it was just very quick drops, very quick passes, and the Bears were just picking up on it, and they weren't respecting the passing game at all because they couldn't block the Bears' pass rush. And it was very evident that the offensive success was dependent on how 
good is the opposing team's pass rush. And that's why in the playoffs, it was mainly just the defense getting the job done, the offense being pretty average at best. So when you inject more offensive line talent with this current offensive scheme and it's in its system, I think the things that they want to do will look more consistent Mm -hmm. and you will see less running and maybe some more obvious passing situations. And that in itself should just increase the overall efficiency of the offense. But I don't think the playbook will look that much different. I think you'll just see more efficiency because naturally you'll get that with a better offensive line. I'm excited. So I I kind of view this in in Zach Taylor's time in Cincinnati, the offensive line is kind of this baby step project, right? I mean, it was just a mess his first year. Um, And then here we go last year, the talent wasn't necessarily there, but bringing back, Frank Pollock, you saw a cut down of the dumb penalties, the holding and all of that from years prior. So you had less of those crushing instances that would kill drives, but you still had the massive amount of negative plays, whether it was in the run game, sacks, what have you. And so this year now you've got three new starters on the offensive line. So you would hope and think that not only now with improved coaching from Pollock being there and other and guys that are still starting from last year on this offensive line, being more comfortable with that whole philosophy you now bring in more capable offensive linemen and you would hope then that the crushing negative plays that would force you to kick long field goals force you to kick field goals in general would uh be be lessened and then you're getting into the end zone more frequently and as we know in the postseason that's kind of what killed them a little bit is their lack of ability to get into the end zone and they were settling for field goals because Joe Burrow was getting sacked so often they were just not getting a lot of big chunk plays with regularity. So hopefully that's something I, I see that just changes in terms of this question and, and the offensive line additions that they've made. Uh, I think we had another super chat here from, uh, oh, it's not really a question. It's just uh, socks. Uh, <laughs> given the, given the two cents there, uh, uh, Tomlin kicking a kick returner in London would be classic. Um, yeah. They're the, the Steelers. They just, they like to do things a little differently. Sometimes. They're well, that's just, yeah. that's just the yellow card over there. Like, I mean, it, it's a flag. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Whoa. very appropriate, by the way, that Sox's YouTube ch- super chat here is the, the box is colored yellow, yellow uh, <laughs> talking about the sealers there. Nothing, nothing less appropriate than that. Uh, are we, John, how are we looking here? Do you, are you seeing a couple of others that we want to get to before or ladies? Do you see some others that I may have glossed over here? I don't know, but I have a question for you guys as far as um, how, what, so what did it end up, end up being a 50 plus yard throws or completions by Joe Burrow? Wasn't he in the lead or led the league with that or, or was it 20 plus yards? I don't know. I just, my point and my question is this year with an improved O-line, is it just going to be nuts? Is it going to be... <laughs> Um, even more of that do you think we double down a little bit and there's a little bit less you know slice and dice or there's conservative play calls and a little more bombs down the field or what I don't have the numbers in front of me John would probably be a little bit more in tune with it than I would but I do remember Joe Burrow being um, one of if not the best deep ball passer or big play passer last year and I think you know some of those are deep ball. Some of those are shorter passes that Chase took a long way. I mean, we know we know all of that, but I, you would expect that that would even improve upon that based on the perceived improvements along the offensive line there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to kind of see that. I do think that 
maybe to the chagrin of some, they, I don't think they're going to try and run more with Joe Mixon, I think, but I think there's going to be just a little bit more effectiveness in that standpoint, because if you notice, there were so many times where he just would get hit in the backfield, oh, right. right? He's getting the handoff. And so yeah. that eliminating that facet and allowing him to at least get a little bit more space, which is what I hope happens. I think you're going to see an improvement in that aspect, which um, I think will just help things in general, balance things out a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I, I would expect that there's going to be a similar, if not improvement on the, on the deep ball, right, John? So the biggest improvement that I think you'll see from an offensive line is, is more the intermediate passing plays and those concepts, because those are the ones that take really the most time to develop with deep passes. It worked, it worked a lot because of the timing between Burrow and Chase, mainly Chase and Higgins as well, but mostly just Chase because that connection was so strong for the jump that you had these, because most of these vertical routes, it's just three-step, five-step drop at the top of the drop. You let it go because Chase is down the field at a certain uh, point, and that's when you release the ball. And so that timing, the connection was always so pristine, which is why you had, yeah, uh, Whitney was right. Like he had 14 touchdowns of passes of 20 plus yards or more, and that led the league more than like her cousins, Matthew Stafford, who were second and third. Like he was incredibly productive despite a bad offensive line with the deep ball because that timing and that connection was so good. And you saw kind of a decrease in production on those intermediate routes from his rookie year because those are the ones where it takes a little bit more timing for the routes to develop and you need time from your offensive line to hold up in that sense. So I think that is where you'll see the biggest jump if the offensive line is as good as we think it is. But yeah, it it is hard, though, to repeat that production from a deep passing standpoint. But I think because you have that connection kind of ingrained there, like they'll always be productive in that sense. It might just it might not as nutty though as it was last year yeah uh i've got there's a couple more and we will we will bounce out of here uh because of time and when i gotta share this because check out this commenter's name on cincy jungle right here john sheeran's <laughs> biggest fan oh my god they found my and burner the question that's what i was gonna say is that uh yeah know. is that john behind the scenes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, it's a little bit of kind of what we talked about here, but with an improved offensive line and Joe Burrow's first full off season coming up, that facet is one that is kind of going overlooked here. How much better do you see this offense being compared to last year? I think we talked about this maybe either last week or on last uh, the the last listener question show, but the facet of Joe Burrow having a, fir- a full off season, no injury, at least not a major one like last year, and no COVID pandemic at its height to deal with um i i would think that that's now going to continue to build on everything we've been talking about in terms of another special season brewing uh next year i don't know what you what you ladies think kayla i'll let you kind of uh talk about that as john bathes in someone <laughs> naming themselves this this screen name i'm looking up this account hold on a second. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> yeah i mean I think it's gonna be it, it's gonna be hard to be a lot better than you know going to the Super Bowl. But like, I I think that there were times when our offense, you know, was kind of frustrating to watch because it felt like Joe Burrow was getting sacked like every five seconds. So I think that um, it's gonna be a lot. It, it's gonna be a lot more of a peace of mind too. I think we all have collective PTSD from um, the injury that yeah. happened. Um, so I think that. It, it's just going to be, it's going to be different. It, yeah. So, Whitney, 
I just think so many, I, I mean, our entire core of our offense is coming back. The only thing that's changing is an improved O-line, really. The, yeah. Or unless you want to throw Uzama um, as a major loss. But honestly, I love him. But I think we stay pretty level at that position. Um, so, yeah, I think we do improve. I mean, it was Chase's freaking rookie year. Rookie. 21. It's wild. It's wild and, 21 years old. Yeah. And so you have to think that he learned something after a year in the league and that he'll come back as good or improved. And Joe Burrow, we already know one of his trademarks is, is that he comes back better. He works as hard, harder than most um, in improving his game. You still got Higgins and, and Boyd. So it's not like you have any new chemistry there to figure out at all. I, I think that our O-line is going to establish themselves well and early because it's the first time where we haven't been playing musical chairs throughout beginning into the regular season with our mm. offensive line. I think we'll know pretty much out of the gate where everybody's position is and who's starting. That's a huge advantage and Frank having yep. time with them. So, yeah, I, th I think we do come back. I think we have to because of everything that we talked about earlier. People are going to play us different. We have the seventh hardest schedule. We better be better, but I think we will be. I want John, to do you me. want to address your burner or uh... Uh, I, I couldn't look it up in time. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on, though. I wanted to get to this one last super chat from Stuart Monty. Yeah, Whitney's asking, the queen of the segue there mentioning yeah. his name. So, oh. yeah, how are, you, how are you guys feeling about the loss of CGU Zama? His locker room, he was a huge strength. We'll take a look, eh, yada, yada, yada. I want to get your guys' thoughts on Dave Lapham um, kind of burning the bridge there and spelling some non existent tea about claiming <laughs> that Uzama was dating Kay Adams, and that's the reason why he jettisoned for the Jets. Um, why did he say that? Why did he lie? Or did you think that he had knew something that none of us did? Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't drink on the job. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he heard. I don't know what yeah. possessed him. No, I don't know. But... Go ahead, Kayla. What did you want to say? No, I'm I I wish CJ the best of luck. Um the Jets, man. I mean, I really loved Carl Lawson and I loved CJ and it's it's hard um obviously to to lose CJ. He's such a he was I mean, just an infectious attitude and fun personality. Always gives a great interview and someone that we all kind of latched on to for those reasons too, as well as what was on the field. Um, but I mean, as far as leaders, I think we have so many leaders on the team. I think DJ Reader is a great leader. I mean, I don't think that that is going to take a big step back. And I don't think that I, I, I like, I like what we're doing. And as much as I wish him luck and we'll miss him, I, I don't know. I think that it's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think like the I... culture's too established at this point. It's bigger than any one person. Exactly. Much yeah. as I love, 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 love CJ. Um, and was devastated by the news to an extent. I don't think it changes the locker room at all. I couldn't have said it better myself. But yeah, like uh, I guess we're got to prepare for the Jets, like signing Jesse Bates next year. This is just apparently. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You yeah. Saw. <laughs> Jets are the new Bills, right? I mean, it's just like, oh my gosh! It's just player player trade outs. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess when you look at the on field, I mean, and and Uzama did a lot on the field, both you know in the postseason and in the regular season. But you know, I, I think that can be 
far more easily replicated or, you know, the the statistics can be replicated. You know, there is that element of what he was doing in the locker room and he kind of was that vocal leader. He was the guy that kind of coined all the, the catchphrases for this special season. But like you, like you all said, there's a lot of young star leaders in this, in this locker room. And I, I don't, while he will be missed, I don't think it's going to be something that there's going to be much of a beat missed in terms of leadership. There's probably going to be others that will ascend that to that level and and do different things to help fill that void. We do wish CJ well. He was a fan favorite. He was a guy that was definitely a big part of what the Bengals did. Um, but you you all mentioned Carl Lawson. That was a guy everybody was crying about that they lost and they brought in this Trey Hendrickson guy to try and replace him and. That, that didn't turn out too poorly for the Bengals either. Not saying Hayden Hurst will replace everything that CJ Uzama did, but um, you know, they, they made it work somehow last year in losing a player that we all were sorry to see go and um, they made it work. So that's going to wrap it up. We're coming up on an hour. We went a little long here, but we got to a lot of different questions in a lot of different ways. And of course, as we are leaving, our numbers are increasing, increasing, increasing in terms of live viewers, but sorry, you were late. I can't help you. Ladies, thank you so much for coming on the program. If you would, once again, tell us where people can follow you on Twitter. And I am going to, uh, in the meantime, also pull up your YouTube channel and share the link to that for Tiger's Talk. Yeah, uh, you can find me at KSwelbs and you can find our Tiger. We have a Tiger's Talk at Tiger's Talk Pod on Twitter. Yeah, and you can find me at Bingles Whitney. Awesome. So, 28 subscribers is not enough, guys. Like, we have a ton of subscribers here. So, take your computers and go to Tiger's Talk on YouTube and hit the subscribe button. Let's get them to a thousand. Let's get that giveaway. Let's get the game worn jersey given out. Let's do it. They're more generous than we are. We don't do a ton of giveaways. So, uh, they are far more generous, as evidenced by their giving up of their time and coming on this program and showing us some love. We appreciate you both coming on. Give our best to both. Jess and Jerry, and we will try and get them on in the near future as well. But uh, we appreciate what you do on your show. We appreciate what you do for the Bengals community. You are awesome to follow and interact with on Twitter. I'm terrible at Twitter, so don't take offense if I don't interact interact the best. But that's just me. But I do monitor the Bengals community and you you both as well as Jess and Jerry are very prominent members of it on Twitter. And uh, we thank you for that and your great show and, and appreciate the time today. Thanks. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, let's make it let's make it a regular thing for sure. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. Get you back on and talk all things Bengals and hopefully talk about in the near future how how well things are going once again in 22. <laughs> that would be that would be awesome. Yeah. John, thanks for thanks for coming on. I think you have another show that you are gonna be on uh, this evening as well, correct? Yeah, if you guys want to stay on YouTube, we are about to go live with uh, my two favorite puppets. So we got a show for that. And yeah, check us out there at DNH Sports. Tell those guys what's up for me as well. Ladies, take care. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for submitting your questions. We will be back tomorrow night on our show as we do on Wednesday nights. Join us for that. And we will see you all then. Take care.